Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the pastor's study. <clears throat> I can think of a woman that I knew who, a Christian woman, had a stroke and then was half paralyzed and laid in bed for the last seven years of her life. I can think of another Christian lady who got Alzheimer's and for, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 years, she was out of her mind. I can think of a Christian woman I know, dear woman who has a mean, spooky husband, and God bless her, she's hanging in there on that awful marriage, but what a thorn she endures. I can think of another Christian person I know who struggles mightily with mental illness. Well, the question we're going to tackle on this half hour is, why doesn't God take away my thorn? We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's thorn. If you have a Bible, would you take it out, turn in your New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's look at St. Paul's thorn, and then every Christian has at least one thorn to put up with. Let's see how the Lord would have us handle our thorn. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's pray before we begin. Father, whatever thorn of life someone is feeling today, we would pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us now through these scriptures, and Lord, just help each of us endure whatever thorn we may have. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, verse 1. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Let me explain what is happening here. Some of the false teachers at Corinth were saying, Paul's not really an apostle. He's not one of the original 12, after all, so you don't have to listen to the apostle Paul. So Paul doesn't want to do this, but he's going to be forced now to defend his apostleship. And he doesn't like this, but here we go, verse 2. I know of a man in Christ, and he's talking about himself in the third person because, again, he's embarrassed to have to boast about his visions, but here we go. I know a man in Christ himself who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Let me tell you the first lesson I get today. Some people are given extraordinary visions. The Apostle Paul got to see heaven. That's extraordinary. I think it's very rare that this kind of thing happens, but it can happen. I'm a Lutheran, and I like the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church because that branch of Lutheranism is much more biblical than the large ELCA branch of Lutheranism. So I like the Missouri Synod, but they have a statement on the Holy Spirit where they basically say God doesn't give visions to people anymore. And I read that and I thought, Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> uh, I, I think God can still give visions to people. I think we have to be super careful with the vision. For instance, Betty Eady had a great, not great, a horrible bestseller called 
embraced by the light. And she claims that Jesus came and took her to heaven for a few days. And then she's talking about what she saw in heaven. And then I think on page 41, she says, and then Jesus told me, the people on earth, they're wrong for worshiping me. I'm not God, said Jesus. And she basically comes out with a Jehovah's Witness version of, of, of Christ uh, not being a God. And, and so the, the, the point is, you have, to be, you have to test every vision against scripture. The Bible says Satan can appear as an angel of light. So if an angel floats into your bedroom tonight, it might not be an angel. It might be the devil masquerading as an angel of light. We have to test every vision against the written word of God. And I mean, I had a, I had a vision of my dead sister once who said all kinds of unbiblical stuff. And I woke up and I thought, that was a $3 bill. So you can have a vision that looks like it's from God, but if it contradicts scripture, it's not from God. It's the devil masquerading as an angel of life. Having said all that, nevertheless, sometimes God does give genuine, true visions. The apostle Paul had one. He saw heaven. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now the question is, what was Paul's thorn? And let me give you some opinions. Back in the 1500s, John Calvin, the reformer, thought it was Paul's spiritual temptations. In the 1500s, Martin Luther thought it was Paul's persecution from the Jews. Uh, early uh, Catholic teachers, Tertullian and Jerome, thought it was severe headaches that he had. Uh, if you read the book of Galatians chapter 4, Paul talks about with big letters, his writing his hand. Some people thought he had poor eyesight. That was his thorn. Uh, some people thought it was malaria. Some people thought it was a demonic attack because he calls it a messenger of the devil. So... Uh, what I read by one commentator I thought was a good answer. Paul's thorn is purposely left unclear so that all the generations of Christians following could identify their thorn with his thorn. I think that's a, a good premise. We don't know what his thorn was. Back to verse 7, though, let's ask this question. Why was Paul given a thorn? Two reasons. Look at verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason. In other words, the first reason his, he got a thorn was to counterbalance his visions. Paul got these supernatural visions that we Christ, normal Christians are not to expect. Not that God might do it to you, but you're not to expect it. To counterbalance all the powerful visions Paul got, he got a thorn too. I mean, I... Years ago, when I was a younger Christian, I would pray, God, if you want to appear to me or give me a word, please do. And then some things happened that I do think were from the Lord, scared me to death. And I, for years, would pray before I'd go to bed, Lord, you don't need to appear to me tonight. <laughs> because with extraordinary visions come extraordinary pain. In other words, everybody... Be satisfied with the Bible. Don't be one of these Christians who always has to have a word from the Lord or God spoke to me in a vision. No, no. Overwhelmingly, the Bible is all we need. We don't need visions. So the first reason Paul got a thorn was to counteract all the supernatural visions he was also given. But the second reason for the thorn is also in verse 7. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Why? To keep me from exalting myself. 
Second reason Paul was given a thorn was to keep him humble. Paul is a very mature Christian. Do mature Christians have struggles with pride, lust, anger, bitterness? Yes, they do. That's why mature Christians, not just baby Christians, mature Christians get thorns. Paul was given a thorn to remind him, look, Paul, keep humble. You're just like everybody else. There's a story of an oriental king, loving, kind king, who kept a box next to the throne. Nobody knew what was in that box. It was kept under lock and key. I, one day, a young boy comes to the king and says, King, you are such a loving, my father says you're the best king we've ever had. What's the secret of your kindness? The king took out a key and opened that box, held up a dirty robe from the field, and he said, young man, I used to wear this robe when I was a slave, and I worked the fields in this robe, but then one day they made me king. And if I ever get tempted to think of who I am now, I take out my robe and I remember who I am. <laughs> I think that's the reason Paul was given a thorn, to keep him humble, to remind himself, look, you're just like everybody else is. Next question. Where did the thorn come from? Well, look at verse 7. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. So the first answer is, the thorn came from Satan. Uh, if you read Luke chapter 13, Jesus heals this woman. The Pharisees got upset, but Jesus says, this woman, Satan bound for 18 years before I healed her. So Satan was involved in her illness. If you read Acts chapter 10, it says, Jesus went around healing those oppressed by the devil. So sick, Satan does have a hand in thorns and sickness and calamity. So the answer is, the thorn came from Satan, but now look at verse 8. Concerning this, the thorn, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. So where's the thorn coming from in that verse? Well, in a sense, from the Lord, because Paul goes to the Lord to get rid of it. So, I mean, does God cause things like disease? Listen to this. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. Moses is talking to God in the burning bush. God says back to Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes man deaf or dumb, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Did you hear that? If you're born blind, who does that? Is it not I, the Lord? And what we have here in 2 Corinthians 12 is kind of the New Testament version of the book of Job. Do you remember the book of Job? Uh, who caused the thorn for Job? Well, the devil did. And... God did. Now follow this. Job chapter 1. God, God is holding Satan on a leash. And God says, okay, Satan, you can hit his farm and his kids, but then God pulls back the leash, but you can't touch his body. Then Job chapter 2. Okay, uh, devil, this time you can touch his body, but then he jerks back the leash, but you can't take his life. And what we see in Job and in Paul's thorn is... Yes, the devil does dirty work, but God holds the leash, and God, whether the devil knows it or not, God is using the devil to accomplish God's purposes in our life for his glory and for our good. I don't know that the devil understands that, but we need to understand, ultimately, God controls everything. I want you to listen to how much God is in control from... Um, 
Deuteronomy chapter 32. See now that I, even I am he. This is God talking. There is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is no one that can deliver out of my hand, says the Lord. In other words, God is in control of everything, including my thorns. Some people don't like that teaching. They think that makes God awful. I love that teaching. Listen, if I'm sick or in pain, I would much rather believe God is in control of this for my good than to think the devil is in control of things running the universe to kill me. <laughs> no, I want God to rule my thorns and not the devil. Chuck Swindoll said, God is too kind to do anything cruel, too wise to make a mistake, too deep to explain himself. I have a friend who said she was a believer but just didn't go to church much at all. She has a baby. The baby's born with a terrible heart defect. And I got a letter, Tom, I'm in church now every Sunday. I've found this wonderful group of Bible-believing Christians. They're so supportive, helping me go through my ordeal, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought to myself, God has a purpose in his thorns. So where did Paul's thorn come from? The devil. And ultimately, God holds the leash on the devil. So all things are controlled by God, even the devil. <laughs> uh, now, let, let's, let's do the second half of this sermon asking this question. What should I do with my thorn? What did Paul the apostle do with his thorn? Well, that's the next verse. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 again, and now we're going to look at verse 8. Concerning this, the thorn, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. The first thing Paul did with this thorn, he prayed about it. And I want you to notice something that maybe you, you didn't catch. He prayed to Jesus about it because the Lord in verse 8 turns out to be Jesus in verse 9. So you can pray directly to Jesus. I'm a Lutheran pastor, and uh, a lady says to me, Pastor Brock, when I told my Lutheran pastor that I pray to Jesus, he laughed at me and said, that's like praying to Mary. Is it wrong, Pastor Brock, to pray to Jesus? And I said, no, it's not wrong. I said, I don't believe in praying to Mary or the saints, but you can pray directly to the Father. You can pray directly to the Son. You can pray directly to the Holy Spirit, one God and three persons. But Paul prayed to Jesus. Now, the norm in the New Testament is you pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. But there are instances in the New Testament of prayers directly made to Jesus, so you can do that too. So the first thing Paul does with this thorn is he prays. There's a story of a big cruise liner out in the middle of the ocean, and these horrible dark clouds are coming near the boat, terrible storm, and a woman goes up to the captain, Captain, look at this horrible storm coming toward us. Do you think we'll make it? And he said, oh, madam, we can only pray. And she said, oh! It's come to that? <laughs> like the last thing you do is pray. And no, the first thing Paul did with his thorn, he prayed about it. Have you prayed about your thorn? Second thing Paul did with his thorn, verse 9, And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So first he prayed, but the second thing Paul did about his thorn, he received a word from the Lord about that thorn. 
In other words, this is called listening prayer, that when you pray, you don't just talk. You also, you're quiet before the Lord. See if he brings a thought to your mind, a Bible verse to your mind. Maybe he'll send you a person with a word. But the second thing that happened to Paul was God told him, no, Paul, this thing's going to stay, so change the way you pray. And before he got the word, it was, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away three times after his prayer changes. And the third thing he did with his thorn, look at verse 9, it says, quote, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses. So here's the next thing Paul did. He submitted to the word he got from the Lord. Again, he didn't keep praying, take it away. He said, okay, now God, I submit to that. Give me the grace to live with this thing. <laughs> um, Robert McRae said these words. Some problems in life are meant to be solved and others are meant to be lived with. <laughs> the trick is to know which is which. I, I was talking with a woman who, uh, she was talking to me about this other person who just says, look, this is the way I am. I've got this problem. I'll always have this problem. And she said to me, I don't think that's true. I think God wants to solve her problem. And I said, I did too. So on the other hand, there are problems you got to live with. I remember an old godly pastor who was dying of bone cancer, and he said to the whole church, don't pray for my healing. This bone cancer is for the glory of God. I think God wants to show people you can have a disease like this and die of a disease like this and still have faith in the Savior. So uh, some problems are meant to be healed, and some problems are meant to be lived with. You know where pearls come from. A little grain of sand falls into an oyster. The oyster's flesh is very sensitive. If the oyster tried to push that grain of sand out, it would rip itself. So instead of that, the oyster starts depositing this fluid around the grain of sand until it turns out to be a beautiful pearl. <laughs> Listen, you don't like your thorn in your life. I don't like mine either, but it's probably there to stay. If it is, you let God do his work and you pray like Paul did, Lord, somehow bring good out of this. So far, what do you do if you got a thorn and every Christian has at least one? Number one, you pray about it. Number two, if God talks to you about it. Number three, submit to that word. Fourth way Paul dealt with his thorn. He said that the power of Christ, let's see, uh, verse 9 my grace is sufficient. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The fourth way Paul dealt with his thorn, he was glad to know his thorn had a purpose, that the power of Christ might dwell upon me. You know, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thanked God for your thorn? Have you ever said, God, I don't like this thing, but thank you because you're, you're using this to keep me humble, to bring me closer to yourself, whatever. <laughs> There is purpose in your thorn. A man is taking a, a, a visitor through his huge vineyard. Some trees had fruit, but there were a few trees that had huge fruit. And the visitor said, why is this tree, so the fruit so big? And the man said, look at the roots. And he looked down at the roots, and somebody had hacked at the roots of the tree with an axe, and the, the hacking had healed over, and there were wounds on the, on the roots of the tree. And the, the owner said, we don't know why this happens, but when the tree starts to root out, if we hack at the roots, the energies of the tree has to go back in on itself, and it makes the fruit bigger. <laughs> Point is this, nobody was more wounded for the kingdom of God than the Apostle Paul. 
and nobody was used more for the kingdom of God than the Apostle Paul. There's an old saying, those whom God uses greatly, he wounds greatly. Last thing Paul did with his thorn, verse 10. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the last thing Paul did with his thorn, he took pleasure that his thorn brought down Christ's power on him. You know what will probably save the people in your life? It's not your power. It's your weakness. Your thorn, your weakness is what brings people to Christ. Brownlow North, 100 years ago, was a famous Scottish preacher. In Aberdeen, Scotland, he's about to get in the pulpit one night to preach. Somebody hands him a letter. He opens the letter. Dear Brownlow, do you remember me? I'm your old friend. I know what you did in Paris. I followed you through Liverpool. I dare you, with your sins of your past, to get in this pulpit tonight and to preach to me. Story goes, Brownlow North took the letter into the pulpit, read every word, and he said to the congregation, these sins are true and worse. But I had a day in my life when Jesus said, Brownlow, I forgive you all your sins. And if there was forgiveness for this sinner, there's forgiveness for anyone here tonight. Story goes, people started crying. Many people came to salvation to Christ that night. And what saved people that night was not Brownlow North's powerful preaching. It was his weakness. Paul says, when I'm weak, that's when God uses me the most. Let's close. What's your thorn? Well, number one, have you ever prayed about it? And number two, has God ever given you a word about that thorn? If he does, submit to that word and then thank God for that thorn, that he's using it for his glory and your good. And then number five, pray that God somehow will use your thorn, your weakness, to bring others to Christ. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about Paul's vision of heaven. Some, teach, some churches are teaching that because we have the Bible, God doesn't give visions to mm -hmm. people anymore. Is this true? Well, there are some very conservative groups. They tend, Missouri Synod seems to be a little like that, uh, Lutheran. Uh, very conservative Baptist type groups, and there some of them, and most Baptists I don't think are like this, but some of them teach that all visions, all supernatural stuff, even healing, stopped when the New Testament was completed because we don't need those things anymore because we have the New Testament. I don't agree with that because I don't see anything in the Bible that says all supernatural stuff stops in 100 AD. I, I do agree with them, though, that everything has to be super duper tested because you have people having visions they think are from God and they're from the devil. Well, how do you know if a vision you have is from God or whether it's from the devil? Yeah, and Jackie, last night I was having a talk with my sister about this because she had talked about having some visions of, of our dead sister and of our mother. And I basically cautioned her, I said, our, our loved ones are in heaven or hell. They're not floating around the planet giving anybody messages. The way you test is, if something is from God is, is it scriptural? I had a vision of my dead sister. And she said all kinds of weird, unbiblical stuff. And I, I thought, that's a $3 bill. So first of all, I don't think our dead loved ones are on earth giving us visions. They're in heaven or hell. But Satan can counterfeit as an angel of light, says Paul. So test everything against the scriptures. Well. 
If God's in control of everything, why do we have all of the disease and the suffering and the disasters that are happening mm -hmm. in our world today? Mm -hmm. Part of the answer is we don't know. I mean, I don't want to be a know-it-all and say, I know why God sends tornadoes and 9-11s and AIDS. I don't want to be a know-it-all. On the other hand, if you read the Old and the New Testament, it doesn't just happen in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, sometimes God strikes people down. Like uh, in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira gets struck down for lying. Uh, you, King Herod is struck down by, it says, the angel of the Lord and died and was eaten by worms. So the reason sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but the reason sometimes God permits uh, catastrophe is to get our attention, to, to bring us to repentance. Now you might say, well, what about my dear Christian grandma who loved the Lord and she had horrible cancer? Uh, well, all Christians are given thorns to keep us close to the Lord. Could any of it be that God's angry with us? I think so. Shouldn't he be? Well, I think, I'm amazed, Jackie, that God hasn't done, America, Jackie, I just got back from Mexico. The Mexico, I mean, it's a very Catholic country, tons of people in church, lots of little kids. They love their children in Mexico. Just watching them with their kids, they cherish their children. And I'm thinking of the United States where you don't see many kids. Why? Because we're killing them. And you don't see all that many people in church in the United States. And I kind of marvel that with the huge abortion rate we have in America, now we have gay marriage in some states, I marvel God hasn't done more to get our attention in America. I do too. Mm -hmm. You talked about praying to the Father and to Jesus, but should we be praying to the Holy Spirit as well? Yeah. Well, you know, I just taught that because there's one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I remember asking our confirmation pastor, who do you pray to? And he said, well, you, want, you pray to one, you pray to them all because they're one. One God, three persons. But again, the norm is you pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. We know you can pray directly, Lord Jesus, and I do. I pray to Jesus. Can you pray directly to the Spirit? I think you can, but I've got to do a caveat on this. There's not a place in the New Testament where it says directly they prayed to the Holy Spirit. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't say you can't, but there's no example of it. So I, I think you can do it, but again, the norm is you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And Catholics oftentimes cross themselves and pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And, I, and I cross myself, Jackie, if I feel I'm being tempted. And it's not magic. It's just reminding myself, Christ redeemed me through the cross. I belong to him, not to the devil. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We'd like you to check out our website, which will come up at the end of the program. That's where you'll learn more about the pastor's study and where it's come from and where it intends to try to go. We want to thank those who have been supporting this ministry, both with their prayer and their financial gifts. Thank you. We wouldn't be here without you. Check us out and join us next week at the same time for the pastor's study. Have a great week with Christ. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you would like a DVD copy of this program or past programs, 
please visit us at pastorstudy.org, a place to learn biblical Christianity.